what's up, everyone? Happy Thursday. This is Chad, your host of Mission Daily, CEO of Mission.org. I'm excited to have you here. We have an awesome guest today. And that's the good news. We have a guest here. She's amazing, Liz Wiseman. And she's also a super friend. After this interview, we got to connect deep before, during, and after. Liz is a great person. She had joined us previously a couple months ago when Steph sat down to talk with her. And today we got to catch up and talk a little bit about my story, her story, and what we're learning along the way as we go. This is a two-part episode. You'll hear half of it today and half of it tomorrow. And the good news today is that you're okay, just as you are right now. You're awesome. Thanks for listening. Let's jump into today's episode with Liz Weissman, the CEO of the Weissman Group. It's been a while since you joined us. Uh, Last time you were here, you got to hang out with Stephanie and talk with her. And I'm excited to be able to sit down with you remotely today and throw the ball in your court so you can do a little bit of interviewing me and uh, vice versa here. Well, you know, just when we got on the phone, we were talking about what this uh, shelter at home has done to our lives and all the questions it's begging. I would love to hear your perspective. You just got started telling me like, what has changed in your world? And what are some of the bigger questions that are being asked right now? Sure. So personally, of course, we got to start there. This is all couched from a lens of, I had some pretty profound struggles late last year and an awakening in my life to the fact that I've had post-traumatic stress disorder for quite a while. I've been in denial about it. I've been running in all kinds of different circles to act like it wasn't there. So that was something that started late last year, uh, really hit home, had a near-death experience, and it led me to getting not just professional help, but starting a protocol created by maps.org that includes uh, MDMA. And it's the most efficacious thing in the world for curing PTSD. So that's the journey I'm on right now. I've had one active medicine session and there's a lot going on in my life. However, uh, when we were talking earlier, it's there's never been a more interesting time for me. It feels very frightening in one sense, but then beautiful in another sense where for the first time in my life, I'm waking up from a coma that I've had for as far as I can tell and with the help of trained professionals, since I've been a child. And so there's, that's the the lens that I'm viewing things through. So full disclosure there. However, there's this wonderful opportunity, I think that all of us have now to really look at where our lives are and look at who the people in our lives are and really get a chance to see them for the first time. Because I mean, when was the last time that we've spent a couple of weeks together in the same place, right? The quarantine's already longer than most vacations. And it just begs the question, what type of lifestyles were we living to this prior to the pandemic? So I guess that's where I'll start. Oh, <laughs> big, yeah, big whoa, preamble. whoa, whoa. <laughs> wow. Wow. I feel like nothing I have to talk about is as interesting as what you have to talk about. It is. And we'll get to right it. Though. So this, oh my goodness. So I, I love this idea that we're able to see things for the first time that 
we've been seeing all along. And it reminds me, I'm going to get it wrong, but I think it's a T.S. Eliot quote that something like, and, and the end of all of our journeying is to arrive back where we start. Know the place for the, the first, first time. Yeah, know the place for the yes. first time. This is what it reminds me about. It's like this chance to, and for those who are fortunate to be able to shelter with people and with people that they care about, to, to have this, this, it's like it's incredible intimacy to be able to, oh, yeah, like I've been living with you for, you know, for me, for my kids, like you know, I'm, I'm living with my daughter who I've been living with for 23 years that I know, but now I'm getting to know her in a, a way that I never have before. And to really see the people that we pass in the halls, yes, whether at home or at work, like, oh, wow, like I see you now in a very different way. Yes. So there's so much to talk about with, with what you're going through, but given my limited um, understanding of, of what you've been going through, I would love to hear just like, what are you able to feel that you haven't been able to feel for years? Sure. The most profound thing was the morning after the first active medicine session was the first time I feel like I've ever seen myself in a mirror. And I've struggled with body dysmorphic disorder since I've been young. And obviously I look different now than I did when I was younger, but this was the first time that I'd been able to see myself without the voice kind of ringing in my ears that was hard to tolerate. So that <laughs> like a distortion. Yes. Like you're able to see yourself without some distortion that has been there. Yes. Without a mask that I was kind of wearing from childhood. And it was not just a bit of a profound thing. It was a uh, you know, I was singing spontaneously. I was, you know, looking all around and it was almost like I had a new body, uh, a lot of different emotions, but that's just the start of the unfolding um, because this is a, it's been described as, you know, the session and the medicine are one thing, but the change that it begins to spark uh, at a brain chemistry level, at a psychological level, those start unfolding rapidly uh, throughout the integration process, which is, uh, you know, no small task in and of itself. So working consistently with the same psychotherapist that administered the medicine each week, doing some texting, doing some journaling, all kinds of different things. But it's, uh, it's been an experience uh, to say the least. Okay. So I have to ask you, like, what is it that you are seeing for the first time that you really like? And as context to that, you know, I haven't been through anything that you perhaps are, are grappling with now, but I remember one time I travel a lot for work and I was in a hotel bathroom and, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't really see yourself like you're brushing your teeth or sure. putting on makeup or doing your hair, or whatever. And, and I think it was because I was alone in a hotel room, like no one around to know. <laughs> so here, I'll just tell everyone here now is I just looked at myself in the mirror. It was like one of the first times I really just looked at myself like eye to eye with myself yeah and it, it could not have been more than 30 seconds but I have to say Chad I terrified myself I was like oh wow like that was a little bit scary like somehow she scared me by just with this like penetrating eye contact so I had this long look at myself once and it kind of frightened me alone in this this bathroom but like what is it that you saw that you said like wow I 
really like that. Like, yeah. And I, I don't know. Really, I really love what I see. And I, I don't know all the specifics of what you mentioned, but I, I kind of feel like I've had similar experiences as well. Yeah. They're, they're very, they're very interesting. And the more work I do, the more I discover, of course, like how little I know, but that's not terrifying uh, anymore. It's not like the fear of the unknown is just radically diminished as I keep walking on this journey. And, you know, it wasn't about loving what I saw or anything like that. It was just this feeling of being okay with what I saw and myself Mm. and realizing that it was enough. And I didn't, I didn't have to change. I didn't have to work out more. I didn't have to do anything really that it would be okay. And I would be okay. (laughs) And so wasn't really starting at a baseline of uh, loving myself by any stretch of the imagination. It just uh, sparked a, a lot of curiosity, I guess, is the best way to, to say the, the all-consuming emotion that came from that. So, so curious about what? Like, it's an interesting thing. Like, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, like that, that would make you feel curious. Yeah. So who I was and what life was, what the purpose of it was. And what my role in it was just kind of like dissolving all around me, what, what I thought it was. And this curiosity was replacing it. And the curiosity just started from this point of you've been okay this whole time. However, all of these experiences are, they happen for a reason. They're all lessons that you needed to learn from an intergenerational trauma standpoint. They were all lessons that your ancestors needed to, to learn. There was this, you know, this feeling not to get too woo woo, but there was this feeling that all of the Chad, we're already woo woo. (laughs) We're woo woo. So just go. (laughs) There's this strong sense that, you know, in studying the trauma of my different ancestors and my mom's family on the Weiss side, you know, Jewish origins where one of the family members barely escaped uh, Germany before things got very bad. And exploring that and exploring my dad's side from Appalachia, which was not always a wonderful country, fun-loving place. And I just, this meaning started to trickle in. And this, this meaning in my life had always been on the periphery. However, now it was something that I was okay with. I was starting to become okay with accepting it. And that's the best way I can describe what started to happen uh, after those experiences or a- after my first medicine session. Well, you know, what's, what's interesting about that, Chad, I, I am no therapist, but what, what you just said, I, I find so interesting is that when you get to a place where you can see yourself as you are and accept it and like it and be okay with that and feel this no need to change yourself, it allowed you to start to ask questions about like, what is my place in the world? What is my mission? What what can and should I be doing? And I just wonder if maybe we can't really do those things until we are okay with ourselves. Like I don't sure. I don't know that those are coincidental. I I almost hesitate to, to answer because I know in my experience it's felt like I've been trying to do everything with you know weights and chains and all, all kinds of things on that I was just oblivious to. I was, I thought that they were armor that was defending me. However, they were really just holding me down. And 
They were things that I wore as scars of pride and badges of accomplishment. However, they were probably just uh, signs of world-class diminisher in, in training in your parlance. Mm-hmm. And it was something where I was aware of them, some of them anyways, but they were always something I thought, you know, it just wasn't that bad or it would get, it would get better. And the more I learned, the more I just completely surrendered to the idea that for some folks and some types of trauma, there's just no getting better on your own. It's very, very important to seek out the right type of professional help. And in my case, uh, medicine. You know, it's so, uh, what you just said, you know, seems to capture this, this battle within us, which is like, what parts of our existence require effort and fighting and like pursuing and hard work and tenacity and, and what parts just simply require us to let go. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's not one or the other. Like I can look back on um, things I've accomplished that have required, like, I think I was once described by, I think it was the president of Oracle who said like, Liz, you are a dog on a bone. And, <laughs> and then, you know, maybe another time he described me, he goes, Liz, like meeting with you is a lot like going to the dentist. <laughs> Honestly, it didn't even matter what he said after this. I'm like, whatever you're going to say right now, Ray, is not good. Like, I just, like, you don't even need to say it. I think you had me at dentist. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was saying that I was very methodical, like kind of like this, um, this persistence. And, and there's part of what of really important work that does require this dogged persistence and this like, um, forcing yourself to break out of like ease and comfort and go do hard things. Yeah. But then there's some things that just require no effort at all. It really is. It is more of a process of surrender. And, you know, some of the the most important work I've ever done has been in some ways effortless. Like, well, I don't know what I did. It just, it just like, it came, it just flowed out of me. Like this just happened. And all I did was not prevent that from happening. I just didn't filter it or stop it. Exactly. You know, and, and so it's not as simple as just saying, well, we should surrender and just let life happen you know, just, just let good work happen because it doesn't really work that way. But then like when we get twisted up, you know, not a lot of good comes from that. So it seems like you're finding this like really interesting, I don't know if it's a balance or just this exploration about what part needs a battle and what part needs a surrender. Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent way to put it. I'm trying to find the balance and trying to become the conduit for the, the threads of the idea that I've been pursuing for quite a while now in the idea maze. And um, just to back it up for a second, you, so this is when you were running uh, education at Oracle or what was the, uh, the department or title there? Yeah. So I had, this was, I, when I got this kind of feedback, like you're a dog on a bone, you're a dentist, you know, going to look at every single tooth. Um, it was when I was, had a day job at Oracle of running the education function, Oracle University, and then sort of my night job. I guess today we would call them side hustles, but uh, sort of my side hustle at Oracle was helping the president of the company with all sorts of strategic initiatives, kind of like if it was big and hard and like complicated organizationally, I usually would get involved in these kinds of things. And that's when I got that feedback from him. Very cool. I guess it's an excellent 
side hustle to be methodical about. <laughs> to say but the yeah, least. I, I will tell you, and I don't say this like trying to defend my honor because I think what he said was was very true. Is one of the other things that Ray helped me see about myself is um, he one time pulled me. Oh, I don't know. He didn't really pull me aside. We were in a meeting and kind of he did this sidebar. He goes, you know, Liz, I'll tell you why I like working with you. He said, because you're just you. And I think he was particularly talking about gender at that point. He's like, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I work with these people who feel like they've got to be tough and like women who need to out men the men and be sort of like aggressive and tough. And he said, and then, you know, there's the others that go the other direction. And and he said, and that's not good either. Uh, and he said, you just are you. And I'm like, well, I think it's because I'm too lazy to try to pretend. Like, that seems like a, you mentioned armor. Mm-hmm. It just seems like a lot of extra weight to carry to try to be something that you're not. I'm just so fascinated by what you're saying is like, I kind of am seeing myself for the first time. Like, sort of just pure, like, this is who I am. How powerful is that? It's, it's powerful. And it's, uh, I love having conversations like this because it's just, it's, it's fun for me to be able to explore this stuff in a way where, you know, the other person's you know, kind of holding that space for you to have the conversation and to have a conversation where I can instantly, you know, we don't have video up or anything, but I can instantly tell there's not judge, there's no judgment, uh, coming from your end. And it's, one thing to say it's laziness. It's another to just, uh, you know, almost like relaxation where, yeah, the conversation can evolve. So yeah, this is great. Well, and you know, Chad, this, this makes me think, um, you know, we started this conversation with, you know, here we are in early April sheltering at home. And while there's so many um, losses and tragedies going on around us, there are some of these uh, beautiful upsides. And one of the things that I think is happening right now is people are working from home, spending more time with their core families, stripping away all of these things that really we don't need to be doing. You know, these places I thought I needed to go and these planes I needed to fly on and clients I needed to meet. Like when we strip all that away, we see what we don't really need. But I think the other incredible thing that's happening for us is we're seeing each other more wholly, more fully as, you know, and and I think it's really caught in this image that um, I'm forgetting his name, but everyone knows who he is. It's the the professor in South Korea who was broadcasting with the BBC when, you know, his daughter toddles into Uh, the room and she's on air, you know, I'm forgetting his name, but we all remember this image. And, you know, what was this a year or two ago? And it was, that's like shock and horror of like, oh, schadenfreude of like, oh my goodness, like, that's so funny, but yet I would just hope that would never happen to me. And, and now it's, it really is the new normal. And I think the beautiful thing that's happened is we've been on meetings and, you know, like kids toddle into the picture, you know, my cat jumps up and, and nobody's hiding that the way that like in this video, he's trying to hide. Oh, like, no, no, no. My children really aren't in this room. He's like, let me just help her find the exit. It's more like, I feel like if that happened today, maybe what he would do is he would just take his daughter and put her on his knee and say, oh, hi world, this is my daughter, you know, and then maybe he would tell his daughter, you know what, dad's got to get back to doing this very important interview and, you know, give her a kiss and off she would go. And, and I think what's happening is that we're seeing, we're seeing people and 
their bookshelves behind them or the piles of mess behind them. We don't come into work just as professionals with a skill set, knowledge. Like we come in as whole people, like we come in trailing, you know, all of these cares and worries in our wake. And I really do think it's one of the great upsides that will come from this sudden, you know, working from home everywhere is to just treat people like whole people. Completely. Yeah, spend more time acknowledging like, hey, yeah, like here's the, here's the hard thing I'm going through. And, you know, I've been really lucky um, having left Oracle and started up a little company. And, you know, there's just nine of us. We all work from home. And despite the fact that I'm a dog on a bone and like love productive meetings, love just jumping right into work, like I really learned to step back and just first treat Hmm. all the human issues before diving into work. Like just how are people? And, you know, it's one of the things that we've, we've learned to start our meetings with. Sometimes, you know, if we spend a day together as a team, we spend the first hour on just how are you? And they're not just nice pleasantries. It's usually people saying, well, let me tell you how I am. And, you know, there's not a lot of judgment, not like, well, we can't trust him with that because he's going through (laughs) this, like, ooh, let me not put all my eggs in his basket. It's just, as people have more and more just said, like, here is me, people just step in like, hey, how can I help with this and cover for each other? It's like a beautiful thing. And I really do think it's going to happen broadly. It's a wonderful thing. And it's sparking this cultural movement towards work-life integration and dropping that you know, the, all the pretense of having to be a different person at work than you are at home and a different person here than you are over here. And if we can become integrated psychologically as people, that's going to be, I, I can't even imagine how much this is going to accelerate economic progress over the course of, say, a couple of years into the future. As we get the stimulus out there, the Dow is up 1100 points. I think I saw that a couple hours ago. As the economic engines start to turn back on around the world, I think we're going to be culturally ready to start allocating capital much more effectively and altruistically, really, than we've ever done at any point in history. So that's the the higher level narrative. But I, I see the same thing happening with our little team on Zoom as well. Uh, and it's fun. And it was one of the things I didn't realize I was missing <laughs> about, about business uh, up until now. Well, and I think we're going to come back into, um, you know, as we reestablish normal patterns of working, we're going to come back in with this clarity of focus. And it reminds me of what it was like. So I have four children and I had all four of those children while I was working at Oracle. And, and, you know, my boss used to say, oh God, you know, we love when Liz, you know, has kids because what would happen is prior to going out on maternity leave, which, you know, I never took really long maternity leaves, but I would just work so hard to get everything ready. I felt like I got those two months worth of work done (laughs) in advance of that, but I would leave. And then when I came back into work, I always came in back better off because one, I would, I would delegate to people in my absence. I'd like, Hey, would you look after this? Would you look after that? And then when I'd come back in, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why should I take that back? They've been doing it and doing it well. So like you've grown into that role, just hold on to it. And it forced me to do other things. But I also came back with this clarity of focus. And you've got a couple of five-year-olds, I'm sorry, five-week-old twins at home. And you know this, it's like when you have been 
holding life in your hands. Like you know what life and death is about and and you know how precious it is and you come back into work. And some people say, oh, people come back in with mommy brain or daddy brain, they're distracted. No, they're actually clear. Like for me, I came back into work crystal clear. Like, okay, my time is precious and I'm only working on things that matter and I'm not getting involved in this. That's not life or death. That's not important. You know, it's like, hey, if, if the house isn't on fire here, I'm not going to worry about it. And, and I think likewise, we will come back into our work routines with clarity of goals, clarity of relationships, and just a less tolerance for animus in our, in our lives and in our work. For sure. Yeah. And letting go of that animus is going to be, it's going to be hard, I think, for a lot of, a lot of folks. And it's, it's hard for me, I know. But when we do, there's always this fear of genuine connection or connection where you really show who you are or exemplify who you are through your actions to other people. There's always that fear of rejection. I think no matter how old you you are, and it's something that's quite difficult to overcome. But you know, we recently introduced a new format for uh, this podcast, Mission Daily, and we've been getting some great feedback on it. And one of the pieces of feedback that we've just received pretty consistently is that people are kind of, uh, I just get this sense that everyone out there is hopeful and ready to kind of let down the defenses, I guess is a good way of saying it. Everyone's been carrying that defensiveness for quite some time and in a weird, weird way and tragic way. I think that this pandemic is forcing everybody to let down the defenses and just say where you're at, what you need help with now and who you are. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.